Hello, happy Christmas to you. This is a brief introduction to explain what's going on here. So this podcast, the crap podcast, (laughs) it doesn't have a fixed topic or content choice. It's not about just one thing, you know, it's not just true crime, it's not just sports chat, it's not just news, it's whatever I want. Because of that, I get to try new things and I get to see what I enjoy and what I don't. Then recently, a few weeks ago, long-time listener to the podcast, Ailish, she got in touch and she sent me an advert for a short story competition. And I read it and I thought I would try that. So when I was at work, on my night shifts, I would write a few sentences, just in little quick, short bursts in between calls. When I finished the story, I reread it and I very quickly realised that it didn't have the warm, family, cosy Christmas tone. <laughs> and in fact, it seemed that some of the tones from the noir films that I'd been watching at that point sort of leaked out through the words, as they say. So, yeah. But uh, you'll see what I mean. So I wrote the wee story and I thought, right, I'll record it. I'll send it. I'll just not make it part of the podcast. So this was written to be a short Christmas warm story. It didn't turn out that way, so I recorded the fuse guys. Now, when I say I had the tone of the noir films that I watched, just try to imagine the sort of black and white films, the ones that are shot with lots of shadows and the cigarette smoke. I'm sure you know the types of films I mean. Uh, there's always a smooth saxophone playing in the background. One of those films. <laughs> Alright, guys. So, I enjoyed making it. I certainly hope that you enjoy listening to it. Okay. So, thank you. But Here we go. The Christmas Night Shift I've worked with my fair share As a young man with no commitments I volunteered my festive dates Then for a while I had a family I got some of these off The wife grew tired of me pretty fast And the kids grew up even faster So once again I found myself clocking in When most fellas would be sitting down with a mug of hot chocolate I wish mine I could taste so sweet. The station I work out of holds two distinct records. The first is the furthest north, most isolated police station. And second, with the largest area to police ratio. Most of that is woodland and hillsides, but where there's people, there's human nature. And that means there's crime, even on Christmas. Hell. That means especially on Christmas. By now you're probably wondering what happened. Well, hold on to your bobbles, because up until this, I thought I'd seen damn near everything this job would throw at me. You name it, not put money on the chance I've encountered it. Violence, scams, cheats, swindles, car accidents. The worst things you can imagine, and some of the funniest. You know what? I've even been called out for a ghost. That turned out to be a young guy with no visa, secretly living in some old lady's attic. Three or four months he'd been there. Anyway, so the Christmas night shift. I've been trying to catch up with paperwork. You would think the low lives and the bums would tend to take it easier this time of the year, 
But no. The work just piles up. In honesty, it's because the courts are closed. Around midnight, I went out for my first cigarette of the day. Merry Christmas to me. As it had been all night, the snow was blowing sideways. That's why I hadn't heard the constable pulling in. I didn't listen to calls, but word had got round the boys that a call had come in. A child had been spotted creeping around on the roof of a house in town. The problem was that this house was the home to one of our officers. A big guy with an even bigger temper. He had his wife and kids in the property at the time. He was also on the night shift and was busy talking some guy down off a bridge. But if he'd heard about this, things could have gone down very differently. Like I said, I was out having a smoke. Fullerton, one of the rookies, basically a kid being a man, he came rushing out. Kid had seen too many cop movies. Thinks the job is car chases and gunfights. Wasn't prepared for the paperwork or tediousness of it all. He'd not have got the job 20 years ago, but... Desperation for new blood had them scraping that barrel. He came bursting out the door, out of breath for some reason, dramatic effect perhaps. Detective, you've got to see this, he'd said with his thumb. He was maybe five minutes done from sucking, pointing over his right shoulder. I didn't entertain his dramatics. And besides, the cigarette was done. I flicked at the metal bucket in the corner. It was full. I made a metal note for Fullerton to clear that up later. I made my way through the station. There was something wrong. I could feel it. Then it hit me. No staff. What the hell was going on? I got to the holding cells. No one there either. I made my way down the corridor to the interview room. The door to the observation room was open. I'd found the staff. Seventeen men crammed into what was also used as the cupboard for the cleaner's materials. I asked Anderson what was going on. I knew I'd get a good answer from him. He knew the job. He was a good cop and a good man. But he didn't give me a good answer. I don't know. I tried talking to it, but I had to get out of there. His answer gave me the chills. I tried not to show it. I'd never known Anderson to get scared before. Then I realised what he'd said. It? I looked at the men. None of them would look me in the eye. If this was some festive joke, I wasn't feeling jolly. Anderson spoke again. I think it's mail, I'm not sure. Fisher there brought it in. Call for the kid on Thompson's house. He got to the scene and... Anderson nodded to one of the uniformed officers at the side. I turned to him and waited for him to explain. I had attended the call. Dispatch said there was a kid on the roof. I attended and got out of the car. I couldn't see the roof with all the snow, but then Thompson's wife came to the door. A little murmur passed through the guise. Thompson's wife was a beauty. Fisher continued. So I said hi, Merry Christmas and stuff, and she'd said that her neighbour had phoned to make sure they were okay. And they were. Everyone was fine. And I couldn't see any tracks because of the snow. 
He could have skipped some of the details. There was no secret he wanted to be a detective. He was trying to impress me with the footsteps in the snow. I narrowed my eyes for him to get to the point. He continued. She hadn't meant to, but when she opened the door, the dogs got out, and she said that she heard scuffling around on the roof. And, uh, that, uh, that was when it sort of, sort of kicked off. Anderson cleared his throat behind me. The rest of the guys shuffled. I didn't like how heavy the room felt, or that the interrogation room lights were in the dormant setting. All I could see through the two-way mirror was the top of the desk. I'm not scared of the dark, but that room is lit by LED bulbs wired to a sensor. Movement-based. And then if there's anything in its range, it stays lit. Got me wondering what the hell was in that room. I told Fisher I didn't have time for stories, and may have politely or impolitely, I can't be sure which, I've told him to get to the point. Fisher cleared his throat and went on. I pointed my torch at the roof. The eyes reflected. I thought it was an animal up there on the roof, you know. But the snow was hitting it so I could see its shape. And I thought it was a kid. So I called out and the thing... It just jumped down. Down to the garden. Fisher looked at me for a response. I could already feel my need for another cigarette rising to the surface. Combine that with the sinking feeling something was seriously wrong here, I thought they might meet halfway. So? I had said it to Fisher, but Anderson answered. Thompson's roof is at least 50 feet high. I looked from Anderson to Fisher. I'll admit it, I was hooked on the story. And then what happened? Well, it landed, but didn't make a sound. I didn't have time to react. I thought I'd just seen a kid fall to their death on Christmas, but it ran. It ran fast. And the dogs chased it. I think if the dogs didn't bark, it would have got away, but they did. They did bark, and that spooked it. It ran to the hen house, one of those chicken... Fisher couldn't find the word. Chicken coop? One of the boys offered. Yeah, chicken coop. The dogs chased it in there and had it pinned. Did you talk to him? My confusion was as wild as a blizzard outside. He doesn't say much. I, I don't... I don't know if he speaks English. We thought maybe you could talk to him with you being such a great detective and all. Son of a bitch was stroking my ego. And it worked. I nodded and headed through. I got to the door and stopped. Before I stepped into that room, I pulled up my trousers, adjusted my cufflinks, and took a deep breath. Showtime. I opened the door and stepped in. The sensor registered my presence. I heard it click as I spent that millisecond looking into the darkness. The room felt different. It was a harsh room, cold, bare, unpleasant. It was designed to be. But it felt warm, cosy even. And for some reason it smelled faintly of cinnamon. 
The lights suddenly coming on briefly blinded me. But I quickly got my vision back. And that's when I saw it. My God, that's when I saw it. My legs momentarily turned to jelly, and I thought I was going to be sick. My head felt like a snow globe, thoughts flurried in chaotic rhythm. My mind tried to make sense of what I was seeing. The first thing I noticed was the shoes. Small. Tiny. Almost toddler-like little slips of leather with old buckles on them. The legs were skinny. Clothed in filthy long johns or tights. The torso and arms could have belonged to a seven-year-old. Skinny and flat. The thing was wearing a tight woolen jumper, darkly coloured. Very old in appearance. It stood behind the chair. I looked down at this thing and noticed the shape of its head. The shape of the head is what told me it wasn't a child. Its face looked flat. Long and narrow. The jaw came to a point. The mouth was tiny. The nose upturned. A faint point at the tip. High cheekbones pressed up into the eye sockets. The top of its head had dirty blonde hair that had a coarseness giving it the appearance of wet hay. The face itself was completely vacant of hair. No eyebrows and not even a hint of stubble. And the ears. Long ears. The lobes hung down and the tips almost came to a point. But it was the eyes I clocked last. After taking in the appearance of the creature, I looked into its eyes, and it stared up at me from the dark corner it covered him. They were dark eyes. Almost not human. Like a dog's eyes. Alert, aware, innocent. But a sense of intelligence sat behind them. I made myself walk into that room and take a seat. I took my notebook out of my jacket's inside pocket and pretended to read. I gestured warmly with an open palm for it to sit opposite me, and to my relief it did. This thing understood wordless gestures. That was a start. I let out a dramatic sigh and put the notebook away, the same way I'd move with any standard violent assaulter or apprehended crook. I didn't know where to start, so I took a stab in the dark. So why don't you start with your name, and then you can tell me why you're up on that roof tonight? It broke eye contact and looked at the desk, at the same time rocking slowly in its seat. I had to try another method. Tell me, can you understand me? Nothing. Can. You. Understand. Me. It nodded. Success. You can. All right. Can you talk? Nothing. I had to offer it something. All right, Luke, listen. My name's Chris. What's your name? The eyes turned back up to meet mine. I'm not sure if I jumped at it talking to me. The voice wasn't what I'd expected. Deep as an adult, but with a metallic edge to it. As if it was talking through a tin can. But it was nasally too. Chris. 
Is your name Chris, or are you confirming what I said? It kept staring at me. I brought both hands forward onto the desk. Really, I should have made a mental note to chastise Fisher for not getting the cuffs on this thing. But judging by the size of his wrists, the cuffs wouldn't have done much. Cable ties would have been more effective. All I was doing was staring back. I added some authority to my voice and asked again. Are you just repeating what I said, or is your name Chris, too? It lifted his chin a little. But the light in its eyes changed, and for a moment they weren't completely black. Without realising my actions, I was holding my breath. I wanted to look away, but I'd sat through interviews with killers and never broken eye contact. So I made myself sit there and stare back. Then it moved, with a chilling, controlled composure, raising its right hand up and pointing its index finger at me. Chris! Hearing its almost artificial voice say my name would have been hard enough, but making matters worse was getting to see its hands. They were long. I'll admit it may have been an illusion because of its ridiculously skinny wrists, but the palms were smooth, flat and wide. The fingers were skinny and were disturbingly long. They must have been about twice the length of the palms, and now one of those exaggerated digits were pointed at my face. I wanted to lean across the desk and slap its dark stare into the new year, and if the guys hadn't been standing in the observation room I probably would have. And maybe the fact this thing looked a little bit like a child, maybe, had a little of something to do with it. It put its hand back on the desk, but the eyes stayed staring. My gut told me this thing couldn't be real, but the laws of science and just logic were telling me that it must be. It was right there in front of me. The dilemma with that is that a good cop trusts his gut. And I'm a good cop. I kept firing questions. I'd ask each twice with no answer. All I did was stare. Why are we on the roof? Where do you come from? What's your name? Are you just in the area for Christmas? The last question sparked a reaction. The eyes widened. Progress. I asked again. Are you just in the area for Christmas? The tiny mouth widened and then opened into an innocent smile. The teeth were tiny and all identical. No canines or incisors. Two rows of rusty mini marshmallows. Christmas! The eyes brightened even more and the smile spread. Christmas, yes. Okay, a nice Christmas. I followed this path. And do you? Do you like Christmas? A nod. And what do you like about Christmas? The smile faded as it tilted its head. You said you like Christmas. What do you like about Christmas? Why do you like Christmas? The eyes changed again. They looked sad. I didn't want to lose it. It had answered. I needed to get more from it. Okay, you like Christmas. Christmas, good. It is Christmas. Christmas Eve. The eyes widened. If there had been eyebrows there, they would have raised. I checked my watch. 
My apologies, it's Christmas Day. Merry Christmas. The smile returned. It bowed its head to me and gave a response. Merry Christmas. Where are you from? Do you have a family? A nod. A family? There's more of you. A nod. And where are you from? Where does your family live? The smile faded again. It stared back blankly. I lifted my hands as if I was playing an invisible piano and spread my fingers wide. Are you from here? Are your family from here? When I said here, I dipped my hands towards the desk. Hopefully it would understand. It seemed to. It shook its head. Head nodding and shaking. Even people who are born blind know these motions. There was some human in this thing. Where, then? The right hand came up again. The horrible finger pointed up. It raised its eyes, too. I got a good look and saw there were no whites at the bottom. A humanoid creature with animal eyes and a grasping intelligence. What the hell do we have here? I looked up at the ceiling where it was pointing. Up there? You you come from up? Up there? Another nod. I looked at the mirror on the wall. All the men would have still been standing there. But I looked at myself to try to grasp reality. Maybe if this was some crazy dream or an episode of psychosis finally happening. Maybe I could snap out of it soon. Up there, do you mean... Do you mean... Outer space? No response. No nod or head shake. Do you mean north? You come from up north? It didn't respond. Again, neither a nod or head shake, but the tiny slits of nostrils flared a little. It sat staring at me in silence. I couldn't tell if it was furious or not. I don't know where my next question came from. Honestly, I think maybe the child part of my unconscious brain. The child part that still wants to climb trees or throw a snowball. That part of my brain leapt forward and took over for one question. Are you... I leaned forward and lowered my voice to a whisper. Are you Santa? I blinked and realised what a stupid question I had just asked. The thing stared back. I sat back again and glanced at the mirror. I cleared my throat in some effort to feel less like a fool. The men were back there and they'd all just witnessed me ask that question. I looked back at the thing just staring at me. It looked to be processing the question. It suddenly threw its head back and opened its mouth wide. Laughter, well I assume it was laughter, it was closer to a lamb's ba, filled the room. The sudden animation from this thing caused my stomach to clench. I wasn't alone in getting a fright. The unmistakable hollow sound of a chair scraping on the hard floor faintly made its way through the mirror. Someone back there had jumped backwards. Our prisoner didn't seem frightened now. It was rambling and gesturing to itself in a language I couldn't identify. It shrugged its shoulders and gestured at me, then back to itself. 
I heard it say Santa a few times before doing his horrible laugh again. I wasn't consciously acting in that moment, but my legs decided that enough was enough and I found myself leaving the room. I closed the door and went straight back into the observation room. Nobody had left. And nobody said anything. We stood. Some of the men watched the thing laugh and spoke gibberish to herself. I faced the glass so the guys thought I was staring down at the thing and thinking, but really I fixed my eyes down and looked at the bottom of the frame. I could see it moving from the corner of my eye. Really, I was just hoping for the lights to time out again. Suddenly from the roof there came a loud thump. Something heavy had hit us. The building shook and the lights flickered. I looked up at the creature. With nimble ease it jumped up onto the desk and looked right at me. Could it see me through the mirror? It may have only been about three foot tall, but in this moment its presence was horrifying. More thumps from the roof, although lighter than the first. The creature turned its head upward to the roof and then back to face me. It gave me another grin just as the lights timed off. The room was once again in darkness, but then I realised the observation room was in darkness too. I looked out into the hallway. Only the exit signs were lit. We'd had a blackout. The backup power kicked in within seconds. Different sounds from inside the building pinged and whirred as several items of machinery breathed new life again. The emergency lighting came on, dimly lighting the observation room. The interrogation room was still in complete darkness. Somehow my good cop's instinct kicked in. Kicked in like a horse kicking back and into my gut. It hit me hard. And I just knew the room was now empty. I pressed myself up against the glass to check, but it was futile, so I rushed back into the room. The sensor clicked. Because of the power blackout, the lights took even longer to come on than before. Backup generators didn't seem to prioritise lighting. I listened. The men rushing around behind me distracted my ears. But when I focused, I could hear something moving from near the roof. Ping. The lights shot on. A whiteout followed by unfocused vision. I followed the sound. The vent was open. A tiny vent at the top of the room. There was no way on earth something could fit in there. But that creature didn't strike me as being from this earth. More sounds from the roof. Heavy thumps. Were we under attack? God help us if we were. This far north we didn't have a firearm section. They would be an hour on a slow day, but with the snow they probably wouldn't even try. There were no guns in the station. When I'd started here, the old chief inspector used to make comments about keeping a pistol in this bomb drawer that he'd threatened to slap you with if you cocked up. It wasn't until they were clearing his desk out after the third heart attack finally got him that they'd actually found his Webley Mark IV revolver, fully loaded, right beside a bottle of whiskey. Different times. Well... There were still a few bottles of whiskey to be found in the station if you knew where to look. I ran to the front door of the station and pulled it open. Immediately the cold wrapped itself around me like a frozen cloak. I felt the shiver all over my chest and the hairs on my neck stand to attention. I wrapped my arms around to hug any hint of warmth into my body. But I was shaking like a dog taking a piss. The snow flurried and blew 
Each flake hit my face and stung. I had to squint as if I was in a bright light. I walked about five meters from the door and turned to look up at the roof of the station. I may as well have been looking into an oil tanker full of ping-pong balls. Darkness and spots of white dominated my vision. The station's windows were well lit, but the weather made seeing anything definitive impossible. Then I heard it. And I know what I heard. I heard sleigh bells. They started off quietly and grew in volume. I stood and looked up at where the sound was coming from. The roof. I could almost make out a shape. Was it... A horse? No, too small to be a horse. Something else was up there. Something large behind the small horse. I cupped my hands around my eyes like makeshift binoculars to try and block the snow. Focus my gaze if I could. But it was as futile as showing a man dying of thirst a picture of water. And then the red glow appeared. At the far right of the rooftop. A small red glow that got brighter and brighter. I was so fixed in it that eventually it was the only light I could see. It moved off towards the edge. I expected it to fall, but no. It kept going. It took off up into the sky. I stood there dumbfounded. I couldn't even begin to try to explain what I'd seen. A drone, perhaps? No, not in this weather. A helicopter would have struggled in this storm, let alone a small remote-controlled toy. What I did know was that I was cold and would only get colder if I stayed where I was. So I went back inside. A strong coffee might help. Maybe another cigarette. Maybe a double-strength coffee and two cigarettes. I stepped through the doors and was met by Fullerton. Sir, what should we... No one knows where it went, sir. I brushed the snow off my arms and shoulders and was already starting to melt and drip to the floor. No, I replied without looking at him. It's gone. I headed back into the offices. Gone where? Fullerton called after me, as if I had any idea what was going on. I turned to face him and told him what my gut told me. Back where it came from. Back to more of them. And I have a feeling they'll be back. Back! Fullerton looked alarmed. Funny. He liked to project a macho image that fooled no one. Yeah. Next Christmas. If I were you, Fullerton, I'd try my best to be a good boy. Actually, you know what? I get the feeling that where that thing came from, and that thing that landed on the roof, it came to collect that little thing. I get the feeling that it knows when you're sleeping, and it will know if you've been bad or good. So straighten up and don't be a dick. I turned to walk away. I felt a twinge of guilt. Maybe being a little bit too hard on him. The whole thing had me a bit shook. That wasn't his fault. I turned back. Hey. He looked back at me. He looked just like a kid. Now oh, what the hell? 
I gave him a smile, but he waited to hear what I had to say before he smiled back. Merry Christmas. open sleigh o'er the fields we go laughing all the way bells on bobtails ring making spirits bright what fun it is to ride and sing a sleighing song tonight jingle bells jingle bells jingle all the way oh what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh Your coats and hats, you lukewarm cats. I've got my horn to keep me warm. Down in Mexico, we have got no snow. You have got no snow. Down in Mexico, sit around all day, hear the music play. Every time we sing, tequila glasses ring. Jingle, 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 jingle. 